guys. I'm Ray Belli, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. If you value this show as a free educational resource and you'd like to show your support, you can do so via Patreon. If you donate as little as $1 a month, that's less than what you'd pay for a bad cup of coffee, you'll gain access to members-only episodes and other prizes. But prizes aside, you get to walk away with the satisfaction of knowing that you're directly helping to sustain the output of this independent show. Every little bit adds up, so if you're so inclined, go to patreon.com slash wordsforgranted to find out more. Or just go to my website, wordsforgranted.com, and you can link from there. Thanks to Michael for his recent contribution. Uh, Sorry, Michael, I forgot to mention your name last time around. As per usual, I'd like to bring your attention to another independent podcast. This time, it's The Folktale Project, which, like Words for Granted, is a part of the Blank for Non-Blank network. The Folktale Project covers folktales from all over the world, some of them very well-known and others quite obscure. There's enough of a back catalog to keep you busy on a cross-country road trip, so if you enjoy the magic of fables, fairy tales, and parables, I recommend checking it out. Okay, let's get on to today's show. This is the first proper episode in our mini-series on English words derived from Arabic, and let me tell you, we're kicking things off with a very weird story. The topic of today's show is the word serendipity, which, as I'm sure you all know, means the occurrence of happy events by chance. At a glance, serendipity doesn't look like an Arabic word at all. Its most glaring, un-Arabic characteristic is its I-T-Y suffix. This is the same I-T-Y suffix found in hundreds of other English words such as lucidity, chastity, and serenity, none of which derive from Arabic. The I-T-Y suffix actually came into English via French during the Middle English period, and since then, it's become one of the main ways we turn adjectives into nouns in English. Given this line of etymological descent, there's no way that the word serendipity could have entered English directly from Arabic with its I-T-Y suffix as is. So, how did that suffix get there? Well, if you're really sharp, you might be intuiting that the root word of serendipity was borrowed into English first, and the suffix was added on later. This intuition is actually correct, but the details of the story are just bizarre. Recall that I said that I-T-Y is a suffix that turns adjectives into nouns. Serendipity is indeed a noun, so what's the adjective that it's based on. Is it serendipitous? It's not. While serendipitous is indeed the adjective form of serendipity, serendipitous actually derives from serendipity, not the other way around. As we'll soon see, serendipity first appears in the written record during the mid 18th century, but serendipitous doesn't appear until the mid-20th century, practically 200 years later. Interestingly, 
Both serendipity and serendipitous have grammatical suffixes that presuppose an existing root word. But if serendipitous is derived from serendipity, what's the supposedly Arabic root word to which these suffixes are attached? This mystery root word is serendip, a word that a is no longer known in the English language, b has nothing to do with the occurrence of happy events by chance, and c isn't even an adjective. Serendip, sometimes recorded with the alternate pronunciation serendib, is an old Arabic word for the nation of Sri Lanka. And the sense of serendipity known to us today is a capricious invention of one Horace Walpole. Horace Walpole was an 18th century Englishman with quite a few accomplishments to his name. He was an earl, an art connoisseur, an antiquarian, a gothic novelist, and a man of many letters. Apparently, he wrote a letter a day, and in one of these countless letters, he casually invented the word serendipity. The invention of a new word, by the way, is called a neologism. I've heard it pronounced neologism too, but I'm sticking with neologism. Walpole's neologism appears in a letter addressed to a British ambassador named Horace Mann dated January 28, 1754. Apparently, the name Horace was all the craze in the 18th century. In this letter, Horace Walpole recounts his discovery of a common connection between two families' coats of arms after leafing through an old history book. It's a pretty mundane story, with the exception of one minor detail. Walpole attributes his discovery to a lucky talisman. He then goes on to say that, quote, This discovery, indeed, is almost of that kind which I call serendipity, a very expressive word, which, as I have nothing better to do, I shall endeavor to explain to you. You will understand it better by the derivation than the definition. I once read a silly fairy tale called The Three Princes of Serendip. As their highnesses traveled, they were always making discoveries, by accidents and sagacity, of things which they were not in quest of. For instance, one of the princes discovered that a mule, blind of the right eye, had traveled the same road lately because the grass was eaten only on the left side, where it was worse than on the right. Now, do you understand serendipity? One of the most remarkable instances of this accidental sagacity, for you must observe that no discovery of a thing you are looking for comes under this description, was of my lord Shaftesbury, who, happening to dine at Lord Chancellor Clarendon's, found out the marriage of the Duke of York and Mrs. Hyde by the respect with which her mother treated her at the table. End quote. Now, do you understand the very expressive word, serendipity? The rhetoric of this quote cracks me up. But actually, according to Walpole's own terms, I don't understand this very expressive word, serendipity. At first, he seems to attribute serendipity to discoveries that occur through a combination of accident and sagacity. If Walpole had stopped there with his definition, we would be able to take him at face value and simply say, oh, that's what he meant. 
But based on the example of the mule that Walpole gives, which, by the way, is a corruption of an episode pertaining to a camel in the actual story of The Three Princes of Serendip, this isn't what he meant. Allow me to quote this mule example again. Quote, One of the princes discovered that a mule blind of the right eye had traveled the same road lately because the grass was eaten only on the left side, where it was worse than on the right. End quote. In the context of The Three Princes of Serendip, this example doesn't really have anything to do with the definition of serendipity previously laid out by Walpole, and it certainly doesn't have anything to do with our modern sense of the word. In the actual story, the three princes deliberately help a merchant recover his lost camel based on clues left behind by the camel along a road. While the three princes' detective work is certainly sagacious, it's not particularly accidental, so it's really a stretch to fit this example into Walpole's own definition. If anything, the episode of the camel, which Walpole falsely attributes to a mule, is an example of deductive reasoning. Walpole's following example of serendipity concerning Lord Shaftesbury is a little better aligned with his self-proclaimed definition. Walpole's prose isn't particularly lucid, so instead of quoting him again and using that stupid voice, I'm going to just paraphrase what he says. Lord Shaftesbury, whoever that may be, figured out that the Duke of York and Mrs. Hyde, whoever they may be, were a newly married couple based on the way the Duke of York was treating Mrs. Hyde's mother. The catch here is that Lord Shaftesbury wasn't seeking out this information. The facts, and thus his conclusion, just came to him based on the situation around him. Therefore, Walpole considers this serendipity. So, Discrediting the mule example, according to Walpole, serendipity is basically what happens when you discover something by using sagacity, wits, or deductive reasoning without intending to discover anything in the first place. Obviously, this is fairly different from our modern sense of the word. Although the letter from Horace Walpole to Horace Mann was written in 1754, Walpole's letters were not compiled and published until 1833, so his coinage of serendipity lay dormant to the world for more than half a century. According to the OED, the next recorded appearance of the word is in an Oxford journal from the 1870s, not exactly the everyday layperson's kind of reading material. Yet, over the next 50 years, the word had trickled down from the ivory tower of academia into everyday speech. You're probably wondering how this happened, and my answer is, I don't know. The written record doesn't really provide an explicit answer. It just tells us what happened, not how it happened. You're also probably wondering how the precise meaning of the word changed. My answer to this is also, I don't know. While the accidental aspect of its original definition has remained constant over time, the main difference between our sense of the word and Walpole's sense of the word is that we think of serendipity as an event that has a happy ending. Sagacity and deductive reasoning don't have anything to do with it. Perhaps the word's similar pronunciation to serenity 
which of course has a positive connotation, affected the development of its meaning. That's not me just being fanciful. This kind of semantic shift actually does happen. Way back in episode 4, we saw how the meaning of decimation was affected by the similar-sounding word devastation. Regardless of how it happened, by the 1950s, two whole centuries after Horace Walpole put his neologism to paper, serendipity was absorbed into the Oxford Concise English Dictionary, an indication that it was becoming accepted as a part of everyday speech. In 2001, it was used as the title of a Hollywood romantic comedy film starring John Cusack that apparently wasn't very good. That's gratuitous information, but the point is that serendipity is basically a household word these days. So, now that we've explored the coinage of the word, I want to take a closer look at the obscure story that inspired that coinage, the Three Princes of Serendip. In case you've forgotten, let me remind you again that serendip is an Arabic-based word for the modern nation of Sri Lanka. The Three Princes of Serendip is the English title of a story first published in Italian called Perinaggio di Tre Giovani Figiuli del Re di Serendipo. That's way too many words in a row for me to fake an Italian accent, so Italian speakers, don't shoot me. The Italian version of this story was first published by Michel Tramezzino in 1557, a prominent printer based in Venice. The story is a retelling of a Persian fairy tale from Book One of Hasht Behisht, a poem by South Asian mystic poet Amir Khusro, composed in the early 14th century. The details of the plot don't really concern us, but in short, as you may have already inferred, it's about a trio of princes from Serendip who use their cleverness to solve riddles and problematic situations over the course of their adventures abroad. Now, note that the Hasht Behisht, the original source material for Tramazzino's story, is not an Arabic fairy tale, but a Persian one, yet Serendip is supposedly an Arabic word. Well, it is, but it was borrowed from Arabic into Persian, and it's through Persian that it came into English. Tramazzino's story became popular across Europe, and it was subsequently translated into French and German. The first English translation, which presumably is the version that Horace Walpole read, was apparently translated from the French version, not directly from the original Italian. A direct translation from Italian into English didn't occur until 1965. Walpole doesn't mention the English translator's name, and in all my research, I haven't been able to uncover the name of this mystery translator either. If any of you guys happen to know something about this gap in the story, please shoot me an email and I'll share it on the next episode. So, there you have it, the full story of the English reappropriation of the Arabic word serendip. But before we conclude, I'd like to look at the etymology of serendip itself. As already stated, serendip is the old Arabic word for Sri Lanka, but it's not actually a native Arabic word. It's a corrupted borrowing from Sanskrit, the ancient language of northern India. 
In Sanskrit, Sri Lanka was known as Sinhaladvipa, literally the island where lions dwell. When Arabic-speaking peoples incorporated this word into their own tongue, they jumbled it up and turned it into Serendip. Many inhabitants of modern-day Sri Lanka speak a language called Sinhalese, and the word Sinhalese is derived from this ancient Sanskrit name for the island. Oddly enough, this means that serendipity and Sinhalese are ultimately cognates, deriving from this Sanskrit word meaning the island where lions dwell. In a way, you may feel like I've cheated you, since the ultimate roots of serendipity are in Arabic, but Sanskrit. Sanskrit isn't even a Semitic language like Arabic is. It's an Indo-European language like English. While serendip is indeed a corruption of an originally Sanskrit word, the form of the word that made its way into English is indeed uniquely Arabic. I found the story of serendipity delightfully odd and worth telling as a part of this miniseries, and after listening to it, I hope you agree. All right, that's it for this one, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget that if you love the show, I encourage you to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast directory you use to listen to the show. I know it takes a minute or two of your time, but not only do those reviews help the show grow, which is awesome, but as a podcaster who puts a lot of time and energy into creating quality programs, it's nice to hear that the work I've put in has paid off. For any questions, comments, or concerns, reach me directly at wordsforgranted at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter as at wordsforgranted, and I'm on Facebook too. And don't forget that if you want to support the show with even just a dollar a month, you can always do that via Patreon. All right, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time here at Words for Granted. <laughs>